Good morning. For our scripture reading this morning, we are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. And we're going to be, begin in verse 9 and read down through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 9, or sorry, chapter 27, verse 9. Chapter 27, verse 9. The Bible says, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Fennus, and there to winter, which is in an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clotta, we had much work to come by the boat. And when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as, as, they, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. As the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, 
and they also took some meat. And we were in all in all in the ship two hundred three score and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they, they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, what an amazing story, an account that we read here of, of this storm, a storm so mighty and powerful that it was named. Um, Lord, we, we face some pretty intense storms sometimes. Um, Lord, but in the end, you, you intend for us to survive them. You intend for, for us to, to get through them and to learn and to grow closer to you. That's your intention. Although in the midst of it, it's difficult sometimes. But Lord, the closer we rely on you, the closer we are to you, the closer that we learn what it is that you're trying to teach us, oftentimes the sooner that storm slows down and ends. And Lord, I just pray that if, if we're struggling this morning in the midst of something that is, that is difficult, maybe something that we've never even faced before, that this morning you would teach us what it is you're, you're wanting to teach us. Lord, you, you have an intention for us every single day to grow closer to you. And I just pray this morning that that would be the case, that we would grow close to you, that we would, that we would seek your face, that we would pursue you with all of our hearts. And Father, I just pray that you'd be with preachers. He preaches, fill him with your Holy Spirit. Use him in a mighty way and strengthen him as he preaches this morning. And Father, I just pray that, that our hearts would be open to precisely what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject, how to wreck your ship and survive the wreck. I know many times we've had difficult times in our life and struggles in our life, and uh, we need to know how to get through them, how to survive them. The Apostle Paul was on his way to Rome, and he had appealed to Caesar He's on his way there when this storm comes up, and there are four things that I want us to notice this morning that will help us to survive the wreck, and then I also want to notice three things that cause the wreck. You know, sometimes there are things that we can prevent and avoid that will keep us from ending up in a wreck, and then when we get in it, there are things we can do to help us survive it. So first of all, what will cause you to wreck your ship? Your ship, we think about the ship of life and the sea of life and so forth. What causes us to wreck our ship? Number one, if you want to wreck your ship, listen to the wrong crowd. Listen to the wrong crowd. If you look at verse number 11 of our text, 
It says, nevertheless, they're, they're on the ship and sailing. Verse 9 tells us the sailing was dangerous. In verse 11, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Back in verse 10, Paul said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of their lives. Then it says the centurion believed the master and the owner more than they believed Paul. The centurion trusted Paul. He allowed Paul to have some time to visit with other people, which was a little bit unusual for that opportunity to be given to a prisoner. And the Bible says that when it comes down to the storm and they're getting ready to leave, they don't know the storm is coming yet, that instead of believing Paul, this centurion believed the, the owner and the master of the ship. Paul had told them that there had been a fast day, there had been a feast, they were getting ready to go, and he said, you better not go. But he told them there was going to be much trouble if they did so. And they believed the owner and the master. Basically, the owner said, oh, everything's going to be okay. You ever have a time like that in your life? Somebody gives you a warning and you say, oh, I can handle it. Everything's going to be okay. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm going through. You know, I know some preachers that fly a lot. I don't fly a whole lot. I do from time to time, but not a lot. I know one pastor friend of mine that flies over 2 million miles a year. But when he gets on a plane and flies and they have a, a problem, I've never heard one of them say that when there was a problem with the weather, the pilot came back to him and said, you fly a lot. Uh, do you think maybe we should take off in this weather or not? Or, or do you think this maintenance problem on this plane is something that uh, is necessary to ground the plane? No, they never ask the passengers, do they? They don't want your opinion on it. Paul was an experienced traveler, but the owner and the master was the real pilot of that ship. But wait a minute. Paul wasn't speaking as an experienced traveler. Paul was speaking as a man of God. And he gave them a message from God, and he said, you better not go on this trip. Now, you can find somebody somewhere who will agree with any stupid idea that you come up with. <laughs> Whether it's on radio or television, or maybe it's even a friend that you have, no matter what your position, you'll find somebody out there that'll agree with you. But did you know God gave us a book, didn't he? And God gave us a preacher that will open the book and will tell us what the Bible says. And if you raise your children according to Dr. Laura or Dr. Phil or Dr. Spock, you're going to get in trouble because God already gave us a book to tell us how to raise our children. He told us how to be happy. He told us how to handle our money. He tells us what to do when we're sick. He tells us what to do when we're sad. He tells us how to deal with our friends. And he tells us how to deal and respond to our enemies. And you're going to get in terrible trouble, and so will I, in our ship, if we listen to the wrong counsel. And there's a lot of wrong counsel out there. So if you want to wreck your ship, listen to the wrong counsel. Secondly, if you want to wreck your ship, go along with the crowd. Go along with the crowd. Look at verse number 13. It says, and when the south wind blew softly, 
supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. And back in verse number 12, he said, Because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. In other words, this wasn't a very good place to stay, and so the majority said, let's don't stay here, let's depart. The majority thought it was okay to take off. Did you know that your preacher is weird? Now don't say amen too loud to that. We still have church on Sunday night, amen? I mean all the time we have church on Sunday night. All the experts tell us that we don't need to do that anymore. And we still use the King James Bible. And it has these and thous in there. How could anybody understand a book that has these and thous in it? I might could help you a little bit. Thee means you. And thou means you too. And we believe that we can understand the Word of God because of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. We believe as Christians we ought to live different from the world. And I don't think it's my job as the preacher when you come here to entertain you or to give you a good show. My job is to use music that draws your heart to the Lord and glorifies God. And to preach sermons that tell you what the Word of God says. You know, a lot of people don't believe that anymore. A lot of people don't agree. They think we're weird. Could I tell you this morning, the majority is almost always wrong. Listen to the crowd. Go along with the crowd. Do what the crowd says. Do what everybody else is doing. And you're pretty sure to wreck your ship. So listen to the wrong counsel and go with the wrong crowd. Thirdly, if you want to wreck your ship, do what's convenient. Do what's convenient. Look back again at verse number 12. It says, Because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part of us to depart. They said, We don't want to spend the whole winter here. There's no holiday inns here. There's not even a Motel 6 here. There's no McDonald's. There's no Arby's. There's no Taco Bell. There's no Cracker Barrel. This is a lousy place to stay, and we don't want to stay here all winter. We live in a society today that is increasingly appreciative of convenience. We don't want to cook it, we want to nuke it, right? I'm glad that we have washing machines instead of the old number 10 tubs and washboards. Now, I don't remember the number 10 tubs and washboards, but I do remember my mom having one of those washing machines that had the double ringers up at the top that you put the clothes through and it wrung out the the excess water. And I do remember when I was a kid that we had a wood stove that we had to bank at nighttime and in the morning you had to get up and and stir it and get the fire going again. And, And I'm glad that we can just go in and push a button and tell it to stay on 70 degrees and it'll do it or whatever temperature you want to keep it at. But did you know the Christian life is not a life of convenience? The Christian life is a life of cross-bearing. And the Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of our service. And he's worthy of our sacrifice. And he's worthy of of us doing some things sometimes that are uncomfortable. You want to wreck your ship? 
Just listen to the wrong counsel. Go along with the wrong crowd and do what's convenient. Now they're in a storm here. And the question is, how are they going to get out of it? I want to give you four things that will help you survive your storm. What will, you, what will help you survive the wreck? And we'll face some wrecks in our lives and some difficult storms in our life. There was a time during this journey that the sailors on the ship decided that they were going to sneak away. They were going to leave the soldiers and they were going to leave the prisoners on the boat and they were going to take the lifeboat and slip away under cover of darkness. They made it as though it looked like they were dropping anchor and they were going to take off and get away from the ship. And the apostle Paul saw it. And look at verse number 31, what he said to them. He said in verse 31, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. You see, at first they didn't listen to Paul. At first he said, don't go, and they went anyway. But now the storm has come. This time they listened to him. And he said, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. They were trying to get out of there. And now they listen to him. So here's number one. What's going to help you survive your wreck? If you want to survive the wreck, first of all, don't run away. Stay where you are. Don't run away. Stay where you are. The Bible tells us that we should continue in the things that we have learned. Now that doesn't mean you get stuck. That means that we keep growing, we keep maturing, we keep progressing, but you don't get off track. You keep continuing the way you're supposed to go. You know what happens to us as human beings? Whenever there's trouble, we want to run away, don't we? Run away from a job. Run away from a friendship. Run away from a marriage. Sometimes people even run away from a church. Sometimes there's legitimate reasons when there's doctrinal error and problems that need to be dealt with, but... Sometimes just a little issue or, or, or a little problem causes us to decide to go somewhere else. I know of a man who did a terrible thing. And he repented and he got right with God. But he told his pastor, he said, I think I'm going to leave. He said, I don't want to stay here because everybody knows what I did. And the pastor said to him, you can do that. But I want to tell you that wherever you go, sooner or later it's going to come up. He said, maybe you ought to stay here where people love you and people know you and people try to help you. And that man did that and he stayed in that church. And though he's not in full-time Christian service anymore, he still wins three to four hundred people to Christ every year. And he set an example to the church and he's been faithful to serve the Lord. When you get in trouble, don't run away. Don't flee. Don't get upset. Don't let some little tiff or issue make you decide to go somewhere else. Stay where you are. Number two on this journey, they got stuck in a creek. They evidently did it on purpose. They saw this creek and they ran the front of the ship into the sand. It kept them from being blown all over the, the sea or all over the ocean. The front part of it got lodged in the sand and the back of the ship got torn all apart. And here's what the centurion said. He said to them, hey, if you can swim, 
jump off and swim. Now, wait a minute. Paul had told them that God was going to deliver them. He said not a hair of their head would fall from any of them. Now, I want to tell you, I was not on that ship, okay? But he said, I thought God said not a hair of your head would fall from any of you. And now you're telling us we got to jump off the ship and we got to swim to shore in these stormy waters? Here's number two. If you want to survive your wreck, do what you can. Do what you can. If you can swim, the centurion said, swim. You see, sometimes we think that divine deliverance has to be accomplished without human involvement. The Bible has an amazing statement. It says this, it says, We are laborers together with Christ. Isn't that interesting? There's some things that God has reserved for himself only God can do. There are some things that God has told us to do. Did you know that God never knocks on a door? God never hands out a gospel tract. God never teaches a Sunday school class or sings a special or works in the nursery. There's some things God doesn't do. But do you know that you and I are never, there's some things that we can never do. We can never convict a soul or change a life. We can't give regeneration to a lost person and make them saved. There's some things God has reserved for himself, and there's some things that God has told us to do. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they came to the, the tomb where he was buried, and the first thing Jesus did was he told them, he said, Take ye away the stone." Now, in a minute, he's going to say, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus is going to rise out of that tomb and come alive again. Don't you think if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, he could have rolled the stone away? But he didn't roll the stone away. He said, there's some things you've got to do, and there's some things that I will do. And so he said, take ye away the stone. We cannot do the things that God has reserved for himself. And God will not do the things that he has told us to do. God won't do the things we can't do until we have done the things that we can do. We pray sometimes for God to miraculously heal or for God to miraculously do something or work. And God will do it, but he won't do it until we do what we're supposed to do. This COVID crisis that we've had the last few years has messed up a lot of people, hasn't it? There's a lot of Christians that are afraid to do anything, afraid to go out and knock on a door, afraid to talk to somebody about the Lord, or even afraid to give out a gospel tract. You know, there's churches that still haven't gotten back to having Sunday night services, and there's some that still haven't had Sunday morning services. People are afraid. The answer is not to fix the things that we cannot do. The answer is to do what we can do. Can you read the Bible? Can you pray? Can you be kind? Can you disciple somebody? Can you pass out a gospel tract? Can you hang a door hanger on the door? There's some things we can do. Do what you can. Amen? Quit talking about what you can't do. Start talking about what you can do. I have a bad heart. I've had a heart attack. 
I've had two stints. I've had a heart ablation. I can't run up the stairs like I used to. I can't jog anymore. I used to live in the house next door. I used to jog every morning down to Dudley, which is a mile down, and I'd jog a mile back. I can't do that anymore. I used to jog, but I caused that one earthquake out in California the other day. <laughs> I can't walk as far as I used to walk. So I do what I can. I go on the elliptic machine at the gym, and that's jarless. It's good exercise to make my hands and feet move at the same time. I'm up to about 30 minutes on the elliptic machine. If I keep feeling better, I'm going to soon start moving my feet. I could sit around and I could say, oh my, I wish I had a stronger heart. I wish I could do what I used to do. How many of you have said recently, I wish I could do what I used to do? Be honest now. Our mind tells us we can do it, but our body tells us we can't. But you know what? I can still preach. I can still put a few door hangers on the doors. I can still pass out a gospel track. I can still talk to people about the Lord. I heard about a guy who lived in a flood area. And the water came up to the porch. And a rowboat came by. And the guy in the rowboat said, hey, mister, the water's going to get worse. Jump in the rowboat. We're here to rescue you. And he said, no, man. He said, I'm a Christian. God's going to take care of me. I'll be okay. And the rowboat went on. A little while later, the water gets higher, and now he's on the second floor of the building, and he's peeking out the window, and a motorboat comes by. And they said, mister, the water's coming up. It's going to get higher. Come out of the window. We're here to rescue people like you. And the man said, no, no, I'm a child of God. And, and God said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Everything will be all right. And so they motored off. And now he's on the roof. The water's gotten higher, and he's up to the very peak of the roof. And the water's lapping at his feet, and a helicopter comes by and drops a ladder over the, uh, over the helicopter down to the man. And over the speaker, they said, grab the ladder. The water is going to get worse. And the man said, no, I'm a Christian. God will deliver me. And the helicopter flew off, and the water kept rising, and he drowned. And he got to heaven, and he said, Lord, I'm your child. You said I, you would deliver me. How come you let me drown? And God said, I sent a rowboat and a speedboat and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> now stop worrying and do what you can do. Think about what you can do, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your sacrifice to the Lord. What can I do and do what you can? Stay where you are. Do what you can. Number three, when you come to the end of the chapter... The ship has wrecked, and the people have jumped off the ship. And it says, and the rest, some on boards. Verse 43, the centurion told them if they can swim, swim. And then it says, the rest, some on boards. You know what they got? They got a board. Now think about that for a minute. That doesn't seem like such a great deal to me. They just got a board. When you fly on the airplane, the flight attendant comes over the PA and she says something like this. In the unlikely event of a water landing, a board has been provided for you. No, there's a life jacket. 
Or there's a seat cushion that makes a flotation device. A board? You buy a boat and the, the Coast Guard says to you, you have to, ha you have to have one board on board for every person on board. No. We want a life jacket, don't we? We don't want a board. But the Bible says some got a board. It's not pretty. It's not fancy. But you know what? It worked. It worked. So here's number three. Use what you have. Use what you have. Verse 44, he said, and the rest, some on boards. You know, we have a wonderful church here. God's blessed us in many ways. We have a wonderful future ahead of us. And what we need to do is look at what we have. We have a warm spirit. We have a family atmosphere. We have people that love and care for each other. We have some great special music, and we have a great choir. But you know what? There's some things we don't have. We don't have a 3,000-seat auditorium. We don't have $5 million in the bank. We don't have a family center or a Christian life center or a Christian school. But you know what? We can use what we have. We always tend to look at other people and think how better off they are than we are. Or sometimes we think, boy, if I had what they had, if I could sing like they do, if I could do this like they do, if I could play like they, and we think about what they have. Stop complaining about what you don't have and look at what you do have. Use what you have. God says, I don't want you to worry about what you don't have. I want you to use what you do have. Maybe it's just a board. Maybe it's not the normal way to function. Maybe it's not the way other people recommend that you do it. But you know what? They're going to make it to shore with what they got. So number one is what? Stay where you are. Say that with me. Stay where you are. Number two is do what you can. Number three is and here's number four. Some are on boards, it says in verse 44, and some on broken pieces of the ship. They didn't, some didn't even get a board. They just got a broken piece. They grabbed it. The splinters, I'm sure, stuck into their fingers. It wasn't very comfortable as they pulled it to themselves and hung on to it for dear life. But they just hung on for the ride of the storm. And some of us don't even get aboard. We just get some broken pieces. I wish everybody had a father and a mother. I wish everybody got to grow up like I did in a Christian home. I never saw my father hit my mother. I never saw my father smoke a cigarette. I never saw him drink a can of beer. He was an alcoholic before he got saved, but that was before I was born, and God saved him and called him to preach. I never saw that. My dad and mom made sure that we were in church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Some of you didn't get that. Some of you just got a broken piece. I wish everybody here today had enough money that you wouldn't have to worry about how you're going to pay the electric bill next month. I wish we had enough money that you didn't have to worry about how to pay the rent or the car payment. I wish everybody here was wealthy, and I wish everybody here was healthy. 
I wish you could get out of the bed in the morning and, and walk and do what you want to do. Not have to deal with all the aches and the pains and the infirmities that come to us. Some people just get a board. But if they get the board, they're better off than the people that got a broken piece. Some just get a broken piece. And you can be upset about that and you can reject that and you can feel sorry about all of that. Or you can say, I'm just going to sit here in this storm until I get aboard like everybody else. Or you can grab a broken piece and make it to shore. Stay where you are. Do what you can. Use what you have. And here's number four. Take what you get. Take what you get. In other words, accept the life and the lot in life that God has given to you. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor in Katy, Texas. We went to college together. His dad was married 18 times. We worked together in a church in Chatsworth, Georgia that I pastored while I was in college. And About a year before we came here to start Northern Kentucky Baptist Church in 1980, he went to Katy, Texas and started a church in Katy, Texas. My friend Rick Schrader just about begged me to come to Katie and work with him and help him start the church. And I said, Rick, if God's called you to preach, if I had to come to Katie, Texas, and I'm doing the preaching, you're not going to be doing what God called you to do. And I didn't feel that's what God wanted me to do. And Rick went to Katie and started the church there. And a year later, we came here and started our church. But Rick said to me many times, he said, but Tim, he said, I wasn't raised in a Christian family like you were. I wasn't brought up in church like you were. I wish I had the background that you have. And I said to Rick, I said, Rick, God will use you to reach some people that I could never reach because of your background. You see, God's prepared each of us for what he wants us to do. And we have to accept the lot in life that God has given to us. I'm told that the children of Israel, when they entered into the promised land, the land was divided among the 12 tribes, and each tribe divided it among their families, and everybody got a particular lot or track of land for their inheritance. And when they got it, they would say this. They would say, this is my lot. May God maintain it. Would you say that with me? This is my lot. May God maintain it. No, I wish I had your lot. I wish my lot had water close to, closer to it. I wish the sewer ran in front of my lot. I wish the electric was close by. No, they said, this is my lot. May God maintain it. Take what you get. Accept that God knows what he is doing even when we don't understand what's going on, God still knows what's best. And I want you to look at the last phrase of verse 44 with me and read it with me. It says in verse 44, the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped, say that last part with me, all safe to land. They escaped all safe to land. I'd like to sail without storm or gale on a smooth and placid sea. 
with a gentle breeze that my sails would seize and achieve my destiny. Then no sudden squall on my ship would fall or make dark the midday sky, nor the thunder crash or the lightning flash till I reach my port on high. Never troubled seas or contrary breeze, just smooth sailing day by day, not a storm to face or a smile erase as I journey on my way. Never blown off course by the tempest force, not a bit of strain or strife, be light and peace, never joy decrease as I sail the sea of life. But the lightning flashed and the waves did crash, interrupt my travels fair, and my path I've lost as my ship is tossed and my life is filled with care. And the raging sea brings no peace to me and the land seems far away. My poor ship will break and no headway make. It is dark for many a day. Now all hope I've lost as by waves I'm tossed in the violent troubled sea. It's all done, I think, as I start to sink. Then a broken piece by me. I cannot swim and I'm tired of limb and a board is not my lot. I seize the peace nor my grip release. For you see, that's all I've got, but not really all. For on him I call, and upon his word rely, that I'll make it o'er on that peaceful shore in my mansion by and by. So remember, friend, when things break and bend, and your journey's really tough, though the storm won't cease, you've a broken peace. And with Jesus, that's enough. You want to wreck your ship? Listen to the wrong counsel. You want to wreck your ship? Go along with the wrong crowd. You want to wreck your ship? Do what's convenient. But if you want to survive the wreck, don't run away. Just stay where you are. Do what you can. Use what you have. And take what you get. And you'll make it safe to land. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, there are storms. Sometimes there are shipwrecks. But oh, how we thank you that with you, with your help, if we'll listen to the right counsel and go with the right crowd and be willing to do what sometimes is inconvenient and tough and difficult, if we'll stick where we are and do what we can and use what we have, we can make it. Because we have you on board our ship. I pray that if there's someone here today that's never invited you on board of their ship, they've never trusted you as Lord and Savior, that they'll open their heart and life to you and be saved today. Lord, for those who are in the midst of the storm, some can swim. Some will just get aboard. Some just a broken piece. Thank you that you know what's best and you have a plan. All things you said work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Help us to look to you. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to live for you. Help us to serve you. And help us to make our lives count for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.